Welcome to the evening episode of Honey in the Rock. We hope you've had a great day and we've got a great show ahead for you. Stick with us. This evening's episode is titled, Consider of it, Take Advice and Speak Your Minds. This shall be focused on the study of Judges chapter 19. Before we go any further, we'll begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, in this scripture we see the continuation of the theme that man did that which was right in his own eyes. Father, we know the wisdom of man is doomed to begin with, for Lord, from the day he began to eat of that tree of knowledge, it never ended well for him. With that knowledge, sure he makes advances forward, but he also kills himself with it. So Father, we refuse to take our ways and our minds, for that ultimately leads to death, and we take your way and your mind, for in there is life. So speak to us today of your words of life. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Judges chapter 19. Chapter 19 And it came to pass in those days, when there was no king in Israel, that there was a certain Levite sojourning on the side of Mount Ephraim, who took to him a concubine out of Bethlehem, Judah. And his concubine played the whore against him, and went away from him unto her father's house to Bethlehem, Judah, and was there four whole months. And her husband arose and went after her to speak friendly unto her, and to bring her again, having a servant with him and a couple of asses. And she brought him into her father's house. And when the father of the damsel saw him, he rejoiced to meet him. And his father-in-law, the damsel's father, retained him. And he abode with him three days, so they did eat and drink and lodged there. And it came to pass on the fourth day, when they arose early in the morning, that he rose up to depart. And the damsel's father said unto his son-in-law, Comfort thine heart with a morsel of bread, and afterward go your way. And they sat down, and did eat and drink both of them together. For the damsel's father had said unto the man, Be content, I pray thee, and tarry all night, and let thine heart be merry. And when the man rose up to depart, his father-in-law urged him. Therefore he lodged there again. And he arose early in the morning on the fifth day to depart. And the damsel's father said, Comfort thine heart, I pray thee. And they tarried until afternoon, and they did eat both of them. And when the man rose up to depart, he and his concubine and his servant, his father-in-law, the damsel's father, said unto him, Behold, now the day draweth toward evening. I pray you tarry all night. Behold, the day groweth to an end. Lodge here, that thine heart may be merry, and tomorrow get you early on your way, that thou mayest go home. But the man would not tarry that night. But he rose up and departed, and came over against Jebus, which is Jerusalem. And there were with him two asses saddled. His concubine also was with him. And when they were by Jebus, the day was far spent. And the servant said unto his master, Come, I pray thee, and let us turn in into the city of the Jebusites, and lodge in it. And his master said unto him, We will not turn aside hither into the city of a stranger, that is not of the children of Israel. We will pass over to Gibeah. And he said unto his servant, Come, and let us draw near to one of these places to lodge all night, in Gibeah or in Ramah. And they passed on and went their way. And the sun went down upon them when they were by Gibeah, which belongeth to Benjamin. And they turned aside thither to go in and to lodge in Gibeah. And when he went in, he sat him down in a street of the city. For there was no man that took them into his house to lodging. And behold, there came an old man from his work out of the field at even, which was also of Mount Ephraim. And he sojourned in Gibeah. But the men of the place were Benjamites. And when he had lifted up his eyes, he saw a wayfaring man in the street of the city. And the old man said, Whither goest thou? And whence comest thou? And he said unto him, We are passing from Bethlehem, Judah, toward the side of Mount Ephraim. From thence am I. And I went to Bethlehem, Judah, but I am now going to the house of the Lord. And there is no man that receiveth me to house. Yet there is both straw and provender for our asses. And there is bread and wine also for me and for thy handmaid. And for the young man which is with thy servants, there is no want of anything. And the old man said, Peace be with thee. Howsoever let all thy wants lie upon me, only lodge not in the street. So he brought him into his house, and gave provender unto his asses. And they washed their feet, and did eat and drink. Now as they were making their hearts merry, behold, the men of the city, certain sons of Belial, 
beset the house round about, and beat at the door, and spake to the master of the house, the old man, saying, Bring forth the man that came into thine house, that we may know him. And the man, the master of the house, went out unto them, and said unto them, Nay, my brethren, nay, I pray you do not so wickedly. Seeing that this man is come into mine house, do not this folly. Behold, here is my daughter, a maiden, and his concubine. Them I will bring out now, and humble ye them, and do with them what seemeth good unto you. But unto this man do not so vile a thing. But the man would not hearken to him. So the man took his concubine, and brought her forth unto them, and they knew her and abused her all the night until the morning. And when the day began to spring, they let her go. Then came the woman in the dawning of the day, and fell down at the door of the man's house where her lord was, till it was light. And her lord rose up in the morning, and opened the doors of the house, and went out to go his way. And behold, the woman his concubine was fallen down at the door of the house, and her hands were upon the threshold. And he said unto her, Up, and let us be going. But none answered. Then the man took her up upon an ass, and the man rose up, and gat him unto his place. And when he was come into his house, he took a knife, and laid hold on his concubine, and divided her, together with her bones, into twelve pieces, and sent her into all the coasts of Israel. And it was so, that all that saw it said, There was no such deed done nor seen from the day that the children of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt unto this day. Consider of it, take advice, and speak your minds. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled, An Absolute. This was preached in 1963 on December the 1st in the morning. We'll begin at paragraph 78 up to paragraph 172. I trust you'll find it to be a blessing. Just think of our nation. When we get in trouble, if somebody does something and they try it here and maybe in a, a small court of the city, some police court. Then it goes on, on, and finally it comes to the Supreme Court. Now the Supreme Court is the nation's absolute. That settles it. Now in Canada, our friends from Canada can go from Canada to the Queen. But in the United States, it's the Supreme Court. That's the absolute. Sometimes we don't like their decisions, but we have to listen to it anyhow. Yes, sir. We don't agree with it. We don't like the decisions sometimes, but it's the absolute of this nation. The nation's tied to it. It's the end of all arguments. When that Supreme Court says you're guilty, you are guilty. We have to have it. We don't, we don't have a nation. What if we didn't have anything like that? Certainly, there's an absolute to everything. There's an absolute in a ball game. That's the umpire. Right. If he says it's a strike, that's what it is. Don't care what you say. What I think, the way I saw it, the way you saw it, is what he said. It's an absolute. If he says strike, you have to agree with it. Because that's where it's going to be wrote up. Strike. What if there was no umpire? Now, who would be right? <laughs> One said it was a strike. Another said it wasn't a strike. It was a ball. It was a... Why, you'd have chaos. You wouldn't know what to do. There's got to be somewhere that somebody's word is final. Hey, man. I feel real good right now. <laughs> Glory. Hallelujah. There's got to be something that's final. I'm so glad of that. Oh, there's somebody who can say it's sin or it's not sin. I'm so glad of that. I'm glad for an absolute. No arguing. No need to arguing. The umpire said strike. That's what it is. Just mark up your minds to strike. And go on. When God says anything, that's the way it is. No need to arguing about it. That's what it is. He said so. That's the Christian's absolute. That is, if he is a Christian. God said, do it this way. That's what's got to be done. No arguing. Well, say it was uh, nothing about it. God said so. That settles it. That's the absolute to the real believer. 
What if it wasn't something like that, where would we be? Would the Methodist be right, Baptist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, or what would be right? See, we'd have, that's the reason, you'd have chaos. That's the reason they turn loose of that absolute. That's the reason they're straying with these other stars. But there is an absolute. There has to be an absolute. There must be an absolute. And there is an absolute. That's the word. What others say, it doesn't matter. Yes, sir. Now, if we didn't have an umpire in a ball game, everybody would be pulling one of those hair and fussing and fighting. See? That's the reason we need an absolute in Christianity. Stop this pulling hair and fussing and fighting. The Word said it and that settles it. Don't take to it or take away from it. Just leave it the way it is. You know, there's an absolute to the traffic. That's a stoplight. A traffic signal. What if some morning you don't work? Oh, my. Did you ever get one of them? I have. No doubt any driver has. What if that stoplight isn't working? Then everybody's fussing. They drive up there and say, I was here first. And I say, let me tell you something. I got to get to work. Oh, my. And women swinging pocketbooks and men fighting with fists. And you talk about a chaos. There has to be an absolute. Something says this is right and that's it. When that light said stop, it means stop. When it says go, it means go. If it isn't, you're in trouble. That's the way it is in Christian life. There's a stopping place, there's a going place. God's Word is that absolute. That's Christ. Yes, sir. If, you, if the traffic signals uh, are not on, then we got a traffic jam. I think that's what we got up there in the uh, religious pedagogy today. A traffic jam of make-believers, unbelievers, and everything jammed together. You just got a traffic jam. Why? They don't have no absolute. One said, well, we're, we're the absolute. I said, we're the absolute. God's the absolute. He said, let every absolute otherwise than mine be a lie. Mine is the truth. So there's the absolute to Christianity. That's the end of all arguments. The Bible said so. That makes it right. Yes, sir. There must be an absolute in everything. Some is like the churches today. Most of the churches has their own absolute. Each one has his own. Something like the days of the judges. Every man done the way he thought was right. But that ain't right. See, that's when God's word and prophets wasn't in existence. The word is the absolute. They have their own absolute. Each one says they're the truth and the way. We are the truth and the way. But Jesus said he was the truth and the way. The truth, way, and light. Is that right? Well, then he is the word. So there's the absolute. And the denominational absolutes, nothing to it. It's wrong. Let it go. Now, man does right in his own sight, but God's got a way for him to do it. See, when God and his word and his prophets were missing, every man done just as he wanted to do. And that's what's been in this day. Each one says, I, I belong to this. Are you a Christian? I'm Presbyterian. Are you a Christian? I ask you. One girl said, I'll give you to understand I burn a candle every night. <laughs> Another man said in the prayer line, I asked if he's a Christian. said, I'm an American. How dare you? <laughs> like that's got anything to do with it. See? They're tied to a nation. The other's tied to an organization. Dogmas. But a Christian means Christ-like. Amen. And the only way you be Christ-like is for the Christ, the Word, to be in you. Amen. That's the ultimate. Yeah. I seen this before I was converted. I'm glad God got a hold of me before the church did. <laughs> so I knew when I, a fine Baptist minister, Brother Naylor, is in glory today. He come down, he talked to me, and oh, there's many people that talked to me when I, I was trying to find God. The Seventh-day Adventist preacher wanted me to join up with them and so forth. But I seen that if I was going to be a Christian, I, I couldn't say, now, I am a, a Seventh-day Adventist. Now, that's all right. Uh, I'm a Baptist. It's all right. See? But I had to have something a little more sure than that. I, I couldn't trust because each one was wavering. I thought there's somebody somewhere you have to have a something is true. Somewhere. So I need the absolute, so I tuck one. God's Word. 
So I read in the Word that He is the Word. St. John 1. And upon this absolute... I'll build my church. Right. So I took Him at His Word. Revelation 22, 19 said, Whosoever shall take one word out of this or add one word to it. That's the absolute. That's the end of all strife. This is the absolute. Whoever takes anything from it or adds anything to it, God said, I'll just take his part out of the book of life. So that had to be the absolute. And Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. That I know this every word had to be. It said precept upon precept, line upon line. That's the way it has to come. Just as it's written. Then he said, If ye abide in me, he is the word. My word's abiding in you. You can ask what you will. I know then if Christianity was the Word of God and He was the Word, and by accepting the Word, the Word lived through Him, then I know if ye abide me in my Word and you, ask what you will. And if you are in the Word and part of the Word, you'll only ask what the Word tells you to ask. Know the day you're living then, and ask accordingly. So therefore, back to the subject, makes talk not this personally, but I'm tied. I am tied to Jesus Christ. To him, by his word. He's my absolute. I found that all these denominations and things had their absolute. Each one, each one, they had their own absolute. The Catholic, when that Pope says something, that's it. That's the absolute of the Catholic Church. I don't care what the priest says, what the bishop says, what the cardinal says. When the Pope says it, that's it. That's the absolute. Correctly. In a Methodist church, many of the Protestant denominations, what the bishop says, that's the absolute. That's all. What the creed says, that's the absolute. In the Pentecostals, it's what the general overseer says, whether you can have this person for a revival or not. That's the absolute. You disagree his words, you're kicked out of the organization. See, the word ain't considered at all. See, you get these absolutes. Each one having his own absolute. But you know, I don't say this sacrilegiously. I say it for truth. I feel like that way Paul did when he said in Acts 20, 24, none of these things move me. <laughs> I'm determined to know nothing among you but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I'm not bothered about these absolutes where it's a Pope, Bishop, or a General Overseer, or a Counselor, or a System, or whatever it is. None of these things move me. I don't care if they say, well, we, we won't call. I don't make a bit of difference. I'm determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ, His Word made manifest among us. I'm tied to that. That's my anchor. I've anchored in that. Since I, Paul said, since I met him on the road, I've turned around. I've, I, he straightened me out. My, how he straightened me out. What a straightening he had to do on me. But since he straightened me out, I got tied to it. I've seen the Word was truth. Everything contrary to it was wrong. You know what? He had a purpose in saving me. He had a purpose in saving you. And I'm determined by His will to do His will. Reason He done it, I don't know why He done it. Not add to it or take from it. So I said, Revelation 22, 19 said, don't do it. If He's our absolute, it cannot be otherwise. There's no way for it to be otherwise. He's got to be the absolute, the last word. You know, there were millions in sin when I got saved. He had a purpose in saving me. I'm the oddball amongst the brethren many times. Believes in predestination, seed of the serpent, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, and all these other things that seems to be, and the visions and the power of Christ return back and condemning organizations and things. I'm the oddball. But he had a reason to save me, a purpose for doing it. He saved me when there's millions of others in sin. But he saved me for some reason. There were educated men. There were smart men. There were theologians. There were bishops and doctors and so forth. In the field when he saved me, but he saved me for some reason. And I see the word is the absolute and I'm tied to it and determined I'll know nothing else but Jesus Christ and him crucified. He had a reason for it, and I'm determined to hold that reason. What anybody else says, I don't disfellowship them or discredit them, but I know what I'm tied to. 
He wanted me like this. He had me like this. I was made like that for a purpose. I had to be made up with all these qualities and so forth and all these no counts so he could dig it out of me. Put something in there. That was his word. I'm determined I know nothing else about Christ. Christ's death was an absolute. It was an absolute. It was the end of all fear to them. That was the scared of death. His death is an absolute then. People feared death. Even Job feared death. But when he saw the vision, he knew everything was gone. His family, his, his children, even his wife had turned against him because his, his stench of his, of his boils, he set out of his house on an ash heap scraping his, his boils. And his wife even said, won't you curse God and die to death? He said, thou speakest like a foolish woman. Then when Elihu talked to him, some of these days I want to break that name down for you, Elihu, and show you it was Christ. When he had this condition and everything was gone against him, then he saw the vision of the just one. He wanted to find a man who could stand in a breach for him, put his hands on a sinful man, the holy God, and stand in the way. And God let him see it 4,000 years away. It was his absolute. Raised up and shook himself. Hallelujah. When a man's scared of dying, raise up and shake yourself. Look into the Word and see what the vision of God is. You seen that vision? He said, I know my Redeemer liveth. At the last days, He'll stand up on this earth. And I'm tying myself to it. Though the skin worms destroys this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God come out to see from I'm tied to it, he said. He saw it. It was a promise of God. He looked through the laws of nature. as I was telling you about the continuity of the law of nature, the continuity of the Word, the continuity of God's action. Everything is continuity. He'd ask in Job 14, he said, there's hope in a tree if it dies, a flower if it dies, and so forth. But said, man layeth down, he giveth up the ghost, he wastes away, his sons come to honor him, he perceiveth not. Oh, then he said, if thou will hide me in the grave, hide me away and keep me in the secret place till thy wrath be passed. He was scared of death. But when he foresaw, being a prophet, saw the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he screamed out, my Redeemer. Watch. He called him Redeemer. Watch. I know my Redeemer liveth. And at the last days he shall stand up on the earth, though after my skin worms destroys this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. God and the Redeemer was the same thing. God and man made one. I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself. My eyes will behold and not another. Amen. Not nobody else but that Redeemer God. That's who my eyes behold. He's an absolute. He's the absolute. He takes all fears out of death. He takes all fears. In Hebrews, the second chapter, the 14th and 15th verse, watch. He took the form of man to die like one for all. He took the form of man. This Redeemer come down and was made man so he could die the one man for all man. Oh, how did he do it? What did God become a man for? To pay the penalty of man. But on Easter morning, he came forth with the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Amen. God who could die on a cross. The graves couldn't hold him. Nothing, hell couldn't hold him. Nothing could hold him. He rose. He had the keys. He rose a conqueror because he conquered both death, hell, grave. When he was on earth, he conquered sickness. He conquered everything. He conquered superstitions. He conquered everything there was to be conquered. And come out with death, hell, and the grave, and the keys jingling at his side, and ascended on high and gave gifts to man, and come back on the day of Pentecost and hand them over to Peter. The church, amen. He is our absolute. All fears of death, because he lives, we live also. Romans 8, 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We find out, uh, uh, I believe that's Romans 5. We find out, and, and he is our justification. God raised him up on the third day to justify our faith. And we believe it. And he raised him up to justify our faith. What did he do then? 
He sent him back, the justifier, because our faith believes that the Holy Spirit Christ come into it for our justification because we have raised from death unto life. And now we are sons and daughters of God sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Justified us by his resurrection. That give us justification to know with the, with the earnest of our salvation within us now. The very life of Christ pulsating in us. And how then could we deny the Word? But she is the Word that gives us a, this assurance. The Holy Spirit is there. What is it? It's still that North Star. Though Christ is that North Star and the Holy Spirit is that justification that points the believer right straight to the North Star. The Holy Ghost will always point to the Word. If it points to a creed or denomination, it is not the Holy Ghost. He couldn't do that, pouring away from His Word. When He died to confirm that Word and make that Word a positive. Amen. He died so He could come Himself into that Word. He is a quickening life that makes that Word live again. That was His purpose of dying. That He could still project Himself through His church and make every word through every age act just exactly the way it's supposed to act. He is the dynamics of the mechanics. The mechanics of the church. What is it? Apostles, prophets, teachers, so forth. And he's the dynamics that works that. And it's worked by a certain dynamic, which is called like, he's the fire that fires off the gas. He's the fire that, and in a combustion chamber. That when the, the gas, the, the word is poured over that combustion chamber, he's the one that sets her fire. He's the one that confirms it. He's the power of the resurrection. He is God. He, he's the power. That's what he is. Without controversy, said 1 Timothy 3.16, Great is the mystery of godliness, for God was manifested in the flesh. Seen of angels received up into glory. He was God come to take the sinner's place. Yes, sir, and when he, God raised him up on the, on the third day was for our justification. Therefore exalted at the right hand of the majesty on high, he is an intercessor to make intercessions up on our, for our weaknesses as we... Confess it to him and die out to herself. Placing his word back in us, a promise, and our faith makes that word live because Christ is in us, the quickener to the word. Mm. I wish the church could see that. Oh, arguments and strife would be over. That would be the Supreme Court. That's an our star. Hallelujah. That's the end of all strife. That's the end of all questions. That's the end of everything. God said so. That's the absolute. Tie yourself to it. Paul said there's nothing present, nothing future, death, sickness, nakedness, peril. Nothing can separate us from that. We tie to an absolute. Said for me to live is, is Christ and to die is gain. Nothing else holds but that there. That's the absolute. He is our absolute because we have the assurance of the resurrection because he's raised in us. He lives. He does exactly hear what he did when he was here on earth. He's the same pillar far. We got the picture of there. He's the same one in the church. He's here today. And in this body, he performs and acts exactly like he did then. If the life of a watermelon vine is put in a pumpkin, it'll never bear another pumpkin. It can't. Because it'll be a watermelon for the life. And it is watermelon. And if my ye abide in me and my words in you, you act what you will, you'll have watermelons. Amen. The absolute, I know it's truth. I've tied my soul into that and I know it's the truth. God's Word. He's our absolute. Second Thessalonians, the second chapter, we read that we will be caught up with our loved ones to meet Him in the air. Oh, how my heart pulsates to every word in His book. Amen. God said we'll be caught up in the air to meet our loved ones. Amen, said the Word. Down in my heart. For the words in there. I've hid thy word in my heart, Lord, that I sin not against you. I bind him up on my fingers, upon my bedpost. Thou art always before me. I shall not be moved. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For you are my absolute. I'll go down through that and you'll pull me out. I'll go into the deep waters of my ship. You're my anchor. Amen. You're behind the veil there. You're the one that'll stir me through the storm. You're the one who'll be there, my anchor in glory when I come down to the shadows of the valley, the shadows of death. When I come down to the Jordan, when I have to cross over, He is my absolute. I'm tied to the resurrected one on the other side. He'll pull me through the danger. 
I'll fear no evil for thy heart with me. Amen. Let the storms rage, life, death, whatever there is, nothing listen. I'm tied to that post. That post holds, it holds within the veil. It anchored. It anchored against God, it anchored against my heart. The Holy Spirit's what stirs me to that promise. I am, not I will be, I was, I someday will be, I am. The resurrection and life, saith God. He believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Let death do whatever it wants to. It'll never bother me. Because I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded that even a sickness that might take me, or a bullet from a gun someday might take me, I don't know what it'll be. What difference does it make to me for me to live as Christ and to die as gain? Oh, my, because I'm determined. I know him sitting out across the river of death where he'll pull me into his presence someday, justified by his righteousness that I accepted of his death upon the cross. God made flesh among us, still flesh in us, still spirit in our flesh. Amen. He's my absolute. He's my all. Anything outside of that, nothing in my arms I bring. I know nothing else besides Christ and him crucified. Don't want to hear nothing else but Christ and him crucified. My heart says amen to every one of His promises. That's why I know His Holy Spirit is a compass. It guides me to the Word. Never has one of them visions ever said anything to me but what was right in that Word. Oh, that's where I got my assurance, brother. That night when He told me about that, I've watched those visions and I'll call your attention. Has that vision ever said anything that was contrary to the Word? Never a time has it ever been wrong. Why? It's God. That's my tie post. And I know one morning in a vision, I see my loved ones across the river yonder. It's there! I'm bound for that promised land. I got to meet there someday. Yes, indeed. He's my absolute. He is my son. He is my life. He's my tie post, my north star. He's all that I could ever think to be. He is that to me. He's my life. Denominations, to me, not hurting your feelings. I don't want to do that. But the word is like a two-edged sword. It can't push without cutting. Especially when it's cutting in darkness. Notice, denominations are like other stars. They shift with the turning of the world. That's right. Every way the world goes, they let their women cut their hair, wear shorts and everything else. It just shifts with Hollywood and everything else. Oh, brother! That still remains the truth! That unmovable... Word of the living God is still the truth. It's my absolute. What it says is the truth. Let the denomination shift anywhere they want to. They want to discredit the name of Jesus Christ with a title. That's up to them. But to me, there's not another name under heaven given among men. Whereby you must be saved. To me, that's the foundation word. There is where the cornerstone is. I don't want to shift with no denomination. I've got my compass here within me. The Holy Spirit points me right straight to the absolute. For both heavens and earth will pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Now I've hid it in my heart and the Holy Ghost pulling me right to it. I'm determined on nothing else. That's my absolute. Just let it be like that. That's the way I want it. Oh my. Now, brother, sister, make your absolute in Him. Yes, sir. In a time of trouble I had here not long ago, lost wife, children, everything. Somebody said to me, he said, uh, did uh, you keep your religion? I said, no, he kept me. See, I had an absolute to know that someday I'll see him again. Amen. I couldn't have made it if I wouldn't have had that absolute. It made the difference to me where I was tied because I know that I'd see him again. Now, by grace, I am tied to him that said, I am. Not I was, I am. Ever ever-present, omnipotent, omnipotent, mission, omnipotent, uh, omnipotent, infinite. Uh, he is not I was, I am. He's still the resurrection. He's still the North Star. He's still everything to me. Moses had an absolute. When he met that burning bush, that was an absolute to him. When Joshua, when Joshua, oh, you know, sometime when you take an absolute, an absolute will lead you to a paradox. That's right. Yes, a paradox is something that's real but can't be explained. It's a paradox. When Joshua is standing there and seeing he had need, God had commissioned him to go there and take that land, whip out all that people and, and put Israel in the land. One day the armies got routed and out in the country and the, and the first thing you know, he knew he had him whipped as long as he got him busted up. 
So when he did, the sun was going down. Joshua, he was tied to an absolute. The Word of God, the Creator. He was tied to a job he had to do. Amen. Sometimes it ain't pleasant to have to do it. You have to hurt feelings, cut and chop, but it's an absolute. He had need. He said, Star sun, you stand still. Moon, you hang right there. And for 24 hours, she stood still. Oh, talk about a paradox. But he was tied to an absolute with a commission. Yes, indeed, God had commissioned him. John was sure he would see the dove when he come upon him. When I seen that pillar of fire like Paul on the road down to Damascus, I know that was God's absolute. There was coming a revival going to sweep the lands. I know it would forerun the second coming of Jesus Christ, and I believe it yet today. It's my absolute. Though it was a paradox, sure it was a paradox, for a pillar of fire to hang up there in the sky and papers and everything taking a picture of it. It's a paradox the other day on March the 15th or May the 15th, no, March the 15th. This last year, one, three or four months beforehand, sirs, what time is it? Said we go out there and seven angels will meet and come back and the, the book of the seven seals will be open. And standing right there with uh, Brother Fred Softman just said amen there. Stand there by him while I told him there'd be a noise that shake the country. I said, it'll be there. It's thus saith the Lord's own tapes, tapes, tapes from Phoenix all the way around. It's thus saith the Lord. One day stand there picking the cucklebirds off or the little bullheaders off my legs like it was. There, that seven angels broke through from the sky and shook the place till rocks are weighing 50 or 60 pounds rolled down the hills. There stood seven angels standing there commissioned to go back and to bring these messages and said one by one they would meet and tell what happened. And it did exactly that way. And when they ascended up on high like that, went 30 miles high in the air and on the same day they took the picture of it, science did and went around the world. It's a paradox, but it's an absolute. It tied me tighter into Jesus Christ, winding my life into Him. I know it seems strange. It's always a, it was a paradox for Paul to meet Jesus on the road to Damascus. It's a paradox when God changes a black sinner's heart and washes it white in His own blood. It's a paradox. Certainly, you believe in paradox. And that paradox, if it's according to the Word of God, it can be your absolute. Paul's conversion was a paradox and become his absolute. Remember here some time ago, I was studying with an old druggist, and we were talking in a little place. He said, uh, Brother Bram, I want to ask you something. And he was a Baptist. And he said, do you believe in a paradox? I said, sure. Certainly. He said, I wouldn't tell this to nobody else but you. He said, but I, I know you believe this. He said, during the time of the Depression, he said, they had to have an order from the county to get medicine for the sick. And said, one day I was sitting back here in a drugstore. said, my son was waiting on the customers and said, um, I seen a, a woman come in, said she was, uh, you can see she's going to be mother right away, and said the little thing could hardly stand up, and her husband poorly dressed, both of them, and she leaned against the side of the counter, and he went over and asked my son, he said, uh, I've got a prescription here from the doctor. He said, would you fill it for me and let me take my wife on home? He said, uh, I try to let her stand that line. Just look down the street there. He said, it'll be four or five hours, and said she's not able to stand now, you can see. And the young fellow said, Sir, I, I can't do that. He said, I'll have to have that order first because I, I can't do that. It's just against the rules. And said his daddy, said he was sitting back there listening, see what the boy said. And he said, Just a minute, son. What is that? And said he walked up there and the old man, a real Christian, real sainted old man, he said, What is it, my good brother? And he said, Sir, he said, I'm my wife. She's just ready to, to, to deliver. And said, I, I am I got the uh, order from the doctor. Here's some medicine. She must have it right now. And said, I, I took her down to stand in the room there and said, I, I looked at the line and said, I doubt whether I get in this afternoon. Said, I just wonder if, if you could fill this for me. Said, I, I'll stand down there. I'll, I'll get the money for you, the order that the county pays for it. Why? said, certainly, sir. I'll get it for you. And just laid the order down, went back, he said. This boy went on back and started waiting on somebody else. Said the little lady watched out two or three times. She was just standing there in perspiration on her face. Knew she was very sick. And the brother standing there with his arms around her, you know, saying, just hold up, honey. Now, just a little longer. So the good druggist is going to get us some medicine. He said, I fixed up the medicine as quick as I could and filled my prescription. Said when I started to hand it in her hand, he said, Brother Branham, I looked and I was putting it in a nail-scarred hand. He said, I seen the thorns on his brow. He said, I shut my eyes and I looked back. He said, I realized right then 
insomuch as I had done unto the least of these my little ones, is done unto him. I said, do you believe that? I said, with all my heart, doctor, I believe every word of it. What is it? He said, since then, Christ has been more to me because doing that for that woman, said, it was a paradox. There's no doubt what ordinary people wouldn't believe that. But said, I thought, just tell it to you because I know you've had them experiences. I said, yes, sir. That's right. I said, I remember when St. Martin, reading of him, when he was just a, a boy, he's called to God. His people were pagans and his father was a, was kind of a, oh, I don't know, I think a military man and, and it's right for their boys to follow them. He said, one day going through the city there, I forget where it was now, and I think he was a Frenchman. And he said that he was going through the gap. And there's an old man laying there, uh, 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 freezing to death, very cold weather. And people passed by, wouldn't give him nothing. And said he stood and people as absolutely professing to be believers and would go through and let the old man lay there. And he was begging for something to wrap him in. Said he was freezing to death. And St. Martin goes over there before his conversion now, tuck his own coat, being a soldier, and cut it half in two. And wrapped the old bum up in it like that. Put the other around. People laughed. And said, a funny-looking soldier with a half a coat on. See, it makes you do things strange. There's something in him that he believed that there was a God. That night, after he'd retired and slept a little while, woke up. Somebody woke him up. He looks down there by his bed. And there stood Jesus wrapped in another piece of coat. <laughs> that was the beginning of St. Martin. What was it? He had an absolute that God's word is true. What you do to these, my little ones, you do it unto me. Brother, I'm tied to that absolute. And I know that each one of you, instead of having an altar call this morning, I think I'd like to have a consecration call. Let's consecrate ourselves to this absolute. Do you believe the word is God's absolute? Do you believe he's the same today as he ever was? There's ministers in here. Wouldn't you like to consecrate your lives? Just, let's take an absolute. What do we want today? What do we want with a fellowship card or a credential? We want Jesus Christ. We're not tied to a fellowship card. We're tied to the Word of God, Jesus Christ. The same yesterday, today, and forever. You believe that? Let's just raise to our feet now and consecrate our lives over. I want mine also. I'm tying myself afresh. I'm checking my knots tied. I'm checking my absolute Lord. If there's anything in me besides thy word, take it out. I know nothing else but you. I want to know nothing else but you. Now, each one in your own way. I've been talking to you through the week. I've told you the truth. God's confirmed the truth. He's made it over and over and over again. You know what the absolute is. Now, to you and I together, all you women, all you men, boys, girls, whatever you are, let's all you choir. All, all you people up here, everywhere, together, down in the basement, up in the balcony, around the walls, back in the wing, wherever we are, let's take Jesus, our absolute. For we've got to come to the valleys of the shadow of death. I know nothing else but Him. He's my absolute because He's raised in my life, and I know He's real. Let's just raise up our hands now and pray. Let's make our consecration service. Lord Jesus. Your word is from old. It's the beginning and the end. I now, with this congregation, consecrate myself anew over this pulpit today. I ask for this church, the life tabernacle, for our consecration. Settle all the differences. Let it all be gone. Bygones be bygones. Ministers of the gospel who's worried and thought something would take place. Oh, God, we tie ourselves this morning to Jesus Christ, the Word, and determined to know nothing else but Christ and Him crucified. Oh, North Star, oh, Holy Spirit, oh, compass of God, come now into every heart, and we consecrate ourselves to you through Jesus Christ's name. Glory to God. Amen. As we get towards the end of this episode, we end with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for speaking to us, and we thank you, Lord, that you are our absolute. And we thank you, Lord, that we can hold on to your unchanging hand, your unchanging word for Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, Father, help us to be faithful while we're working and laboring for your word and for your kingdom, that you might be able to say, Well done, my good and faithful servants. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. 
To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.
spite of the storm.